What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Uh, As always, it is my pleasure to be joined by the one guest that I could just... I mean, not not a guest. Yeah, I mean, you're always a guest to me, Jeremy, but like, I don't know, you're my my other half on this pod. I was going to say, the person that I could turn my brain off with and just talk, and I don't really have to think about what I'm saying because you'll make me look good regardless. So, um, Jeremy, how are you? I'm great. Uh, yeah, Dolores, you better you better watch out because I'm quickly <laughs> in second place and gaining on number spot number one. Uh, yeah, everything's good. I uh, It's been really hot, I'm sure, for a lot of people. For me, the air conditioning broke the central AC. So that has been a very fun experience in some of the hotter days of the year. But yeah, other than that, it's, uh, it's just life goes on. Life continues. Life continues indeed. Um, as it, as it has a way of doing. Um, but I mean, look, we had, let's, we had probably the busiest Knicks news week of the year last week. And this week was, I mean, not, Busy, but there was there was some stuff, and I think I I don't know how you're approaching this off season, but for me personally, I'm like treating almost like every week with like, all right, can I um can I intuit anything additional that I wasn't previously able to about this team, the direction that they're going, you know, so on and so forth, um, with like each additional news item or like take take each week collectively, if you will. And it's funny. We're going to talk about two things today, plus a third topic, which we're going to you're going to spring on me that I have no idea what it is. Although I don't know if it's a, is it a, is it a surprise topic? Is it an extension of one of our topics? Should I even ask these questions? It's an extension of one of our okay. topics. Whatever. We're going to talk about two things. We're going to talk about the Chicago bubble thing that the Knicks are apparently not gung ho on participating in, and we're going to touch on this Booker stuff, which I know pisses some people off to no end. Um, and I get that. And we're going to talk about why that is and whether that's justifiable or not. Um, interestingly enough, I actually find that those two things are kind of connected and we'll get into why. But like, you know, as a preface, you've been you've been saying it probably louder than me on this podcast for months now. Um, but I have I have agreed with you about what the ultimate plan is here and where the priorities are. And I guess just as importantly, where the priorities are not. And we heard this week that the Knicks, um, whereas other bad teams that have young rosters are, they very much want time in Chicago uh, in a, a another bubble that I don't know how they're going to pull off in a major metropolitan city, but we're, we don't have to talk about that. Um, they want time for those young rosters to gel and because they clearly care about taking those baby steps and Hey, a couple of weeks together in real, real games that could, that could, you know, make us 5% more cohesive or whatever the case may be. Those other teams care about that. The Knicks for better or worse. And if you're someone who's like, they're, they're smart to not want to do this. That's fine. That's justifiable. But the fact is they don't think it's that important. There's that. And then there's of course a rumor that, you know, is probably going to be the first of many that maybe Devin Booker is a guy to keep an eye on via trade at some point. Um, You've been saying it, Jeremy, Jeremy, like we, in case anybody is mistaken, we know what the plan here is. Am I, are you in agreement with me on that? Yeah. The there is without a doubt in my mind a goal to get star caliber basketball players, uh, preferably through free agency, preferably as soon as possible. But 
unlikely to be this season is the best way I'd phrase it. Although who, who knows at this point, I wouldn't be shocked at anything, but the Booker debate incites so much because of the fact that it, it really, first of all, if we're just putting this out there, I see no reason why the Suns would even want to entertain a Devin Booker trade right now. They shouldn't. Absolutely not. And also just while we're here, um, if you see a trade scenario for Devin Booker that involves some sort of package that you're comfortable giving up, it's not enough. <laughs> that's, so That's so great. Thank you for you saying that. If you feel like, hey, I don't like this player on my team, so I'm sure the other team would love him, you are probably very wrong on this subject. So again, this is for every single trade out there. If you, mostly with big stars, if you feel like you're at a place where you're not giving up quite a bit, then you're not giving up enough. Um, and just so a note about the Suns, and again, a reason why, it's not just from a contractual standpoint with Booker. It's, I mean, yes, of course, he's got several years left on his deal. Phoenix is really in no rush to trade him, but um, there were 91 five-man lineups this season so far. Um 91 of them that all played at least 100 minutes or more this season. In the all of the NBA? All of the NBA. Okay. Do you want to guess where a lineup of Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre, Devin Booker, Mikhail Bridges, and DeAndre Ayton finished or has finished thus far on the list of 91? <sighs> 91 five-man lineups. That have played at least a hundred minutes. Can I? Can I ask a one question? Sure. Um, I'm gonna, or can I make an assumption and you tell me if I'm like way off base or if I'm like somewhat close to base? Are like roughly seventy five percent of those or more? Do they have a positive net rating? I sorted it by net rating. Okay, do do most of them have a positive net rating or like almost all of them have a positive net rating? I would say about half of them have a positive net rating. Really? Yeah. See, that strikes me as odd. Um, I'm going to guess that they have a positive net rating, but it can't be that high. Like I know, I know Rubio's impact on them. I know Booker's numbers are good. Aiden, I hadn't looked at in a while. Okay, fuck it. Um, they're uh, 40, no, uh, 38th out of 91. 38th out of 91. And what do you think their net rating is? I didn't just get it right, did I? No, you didn't. <laughs> I just want to, I just while we're, on, while we're on the subject, 38th out of 91, and their net rating is, first number that you think of that, that feels comfortable? Plus 2.1. Plus 2.1. Okay, 38th plus 2.1. Well, John, they are third- with a net rating of plus 20.2. That's obscene. Really? Yes. It would appear that surrounding Booker and Aiton with two shooters and a ball handler who's actually shooting pretty well this year is a very good recipe. And I think this is the perfect uh, stat in in so many ways that um, fully dictates why the Suns would never entertain this deal right now. There's no need to get him away. Even if Devin Booker said, I want to trade, there's nothing that that would make them do it. There's no, yes, they traded Bledsoe, but that was a completely different situation. He wasn't their star. Um, but, But I think what's also really fascinating about Booker is He's played with 69 teammates throughout his entire NBA career. It's a very nice number, but 69 <laughs> of them. That is. That, I wasn't going to say anything. Until you. Oh, no, I, I totally was. You know how, how we have criticized the Knicks for having the most roster turnover yep. between like of the tw- 2010s? Booker has played with so many teammates that he probably doesn't remember more than half of them. And so it's that sort of thing where – the Suns are in such an odd position because it seems like they're finally starting to build something right. But then again, if you're the Suns and if you don't think Booker is going to stay, why do you keep him? But you don't have to make the decision. That's right not now. even a conversation that they should have right now. That's not why they would trade him. They would trade him if he went to them and was like, get me the fuck out of here. Um, right. And could we could we agree that the Suns would be insane to trade Devin Booker unless he went to them, demanded trade and essentially pulled a. I don't know, 
a, a Jimmy Butler. Um, what would what would what would Devin Booker? What what profanities would he need to toss around in practice before he pushed management's hand? I don't know because the guy's a twenty. What is he? Twenty three? Yeah, he's twenty three, and he's just he's like second in the league in scoring and um, on ultra efficiency, and uh, showed some playmaking this year. He's freaking awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. Listen to this from January. This was uh, this is actually the Suns who posted this, but it was around the time why he became an all-star and it's called 10 reasons why Devin Booker is an all-star. And I, I won't necessarily go through all 10, but just some of the ones that stood out were uh, Booker's the only guard in the NBA this season. And at the time, of course, averaging at least 25 points per game on at least 50% shooting. He's just one of four guards in the West. That's averaging 25 and six, six being the assists per game. Uh, those players are James Harden, Luka Doncic, Damian Lillard. Booker currently holds a higher shooting percentage than all three and has the second fewest turnovers among the four. Uh, he has 11 games with 30-plus points this season, ranking fourth among guards. He's shooting 70.2% on 5.8 attempts per game in the restricted area. I mean, it goes on and it goes on. And I think that the biggest knock against Booker is that he's not a winning player. And again, I would just go back to what I said about the high roster turnover. And it's really hard to find success when your team is just – when your roster is just a turnstile for players in and out. And – it seems like the Suns finally have some sense of consistency. They've got a limited ceiling in terms of what they can do, at least I believe, but it's the sort of thing where for them it makes no sense. And then, and then if you're the Knicks, of course, uh, you're still not going to do much this free agency. I've seen comparisons to the Mello trade, and I don't think that that's totally inaccurate, but I don't think it's exact either. Just because of the fact that the thing with the Mellow trade was you already had stat under contract. You were hoping to open up some other cap space and, and build something a little bit more cohesive. But here, it's it's a very different story because you're just trading a lot of your best prospects and future picks for a player. Even if, again, the Suns were to hypothetically say, sure, let's do it. Uh, you're trading a lot. And then you're, you're basically left with only exploring free agency to get a star to come in. And as we know, there's no guarantee that that happens. So, yeah, a couple things. things. Um, I, I don't know where I got the idea that Devin Booker was second in the league in scoring this year. I think he was uh, he was up close to like the top two or three at one point. Um, whatever. He's 12, but he's averaging twenty six point one points per game. Um, he other than uh, he's the second youngest uh, in the top 15 uh, actually, sorry, third youngest in the top 15 in scoring. Your boy Brandon Ingram is there as well, and Trey Young. Um, but like you said, his his efficiency is just off the charts, and like, you know, he's up to 6.6 .6 assists from the shooting guard spot this year. It's just, I mean, the guy's really good. Um, if you want to know how good someone is, don't look at their record. Look at what their team does with them on the court and without them. Um, cleaning the glass has the Phoenix Suns uh, as... Um, having basically getting so like when Devin Booker's on the floor, his he's worth an additional 15 wins over the course of 82 games, um, which is really freaking good. It's in the 84th percentile among all NBA players. Should be noted, by the way, Ricky Rubio, <laughs> 29 wins in the 96th percentile of all NBA players. Uh, newsflash: Ricky Rubio still pretty good. Yep. Um. Anyway. Look, it's a silly conversation to have right now. And that's, and listen, I get why, you know, I had, I, I stuck it in a report that I had last week and I didn't, you know, make a big thing of it because I knew what the reaction was going to be. And sure enough, Berman came out with the article this week. And then the reaction was what I expected it to be, which is that could we stop effing talking about guys that the Knicks are not going to get anytime soon? Um, and it would be ridiculous if they even could because it would cost them, uh, two legs, two arms, and a you know, and a torso. Um, I I get I get all of that, and the reason. Let's just spell this out. You can't get a player of his caliber, and you were implying this strongly before Jeremy and what you were saying, but I just want to literally spell it out. You you can't get a player of that caliber without sending back a piece in the deal that the team trading away the superstar um, knows is like, you know, a, a, like 75% chance the guy's going to be a future all-star. Is that a fair way to, to put it? And, and has like an all NBA makeup. So right now the best asset the Knicks have 
is their 2021 um, draft pick as, as it stands today. They would like, but that's not enough because who knows? Maybe they luck into 37 wins next year and they get the ninth pick in the draft. And it's like, that's not good enough. RJ Barrett, I love him. We don't have to go into it right now. Not good enough. Those two things together, RJ Barrett and the 21 unprotected pick. Sorry, still not good enough. And that, and by the way, that would be insane for the Knicks to trade both of those things because that 21 unprotected pick could be, you know, Kate Cunningham. It's just, it's too much uncertainty for both parties to come together at this point. Um, that doesn't mean that situation won't change in the near, it, not the near future. So I guess we could transition to that. Do you, when do you think the soonest is that these conversations, like such conversations could potentially become real about, and not even necessarily Booker, but a player of Booker's caliber? I think they become more real at least a year from now, but it really depends on what type of roster the Knicks have. Because it could be that, yeah, he he forces a trade, but I, I think the other thing, we were kind of talking about this in the uh, KFS Slack, where it's that Booker himself, you're not paying just for Booker's talent. You're paying the premium of the Suns letting him go. And as a result, that's going to cost you more. So just from a pure talent standpoint, Booker will cost you a lot. And then because you have to pry him from Phoenix, that's a ton more. But it's so hard to predict exactly when to go target him because of the fact that if the Knicks roster, let's say it's exactly what it is right now um, in terms of the core, which it won't be, but let's just assume uh, a year from now. And the only difference is that we have this year's draft pick and we have next year's draft pick, assuming the NBA starts on time and the draft or rather not on time, but assuming that it goes to the schedule we kind of thought it was. Are you really in a position where you're still able to trade for him? I don't think you are. I think they're at a certain point, you know, there's I'm not I, I know prospect hugging can be something that all fans go through. And the one thing I've seen consistently is, you know, the idea to build through the draft. And I am by no means against that. But it kind of comes with this. Um, Remind me to come back to that. Uh, yes. The build through the draft thing. Keep going. It, 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 there's this implicit feeling amongst fans where it's like, look, we'll just build through the draft and we'll be fine. And I don't think that the risk is properly evaluated to the point where, yes, I mean, fans could could say, well, it it doesn't, it, it may not work out that way. But we have these these um, rose tinted. We're looking at glasses half full, and because of that, it can kind of affect how we look to building a team. And that's the thing. It's like we talk about potential, and I'm at the point where I'm honestly sick of the word potential, just because that's really what it is. It's hope packaged in a way that we we see players trending and of course these guys who are on the team currently they're going to trend up right they're young players they're going to develop it's what they hit their ceiling at and it's the emotional attachment that's there that's a bigger factor yeah leon rose comes in he doesn't have that emotional factor he can wheel and deal efficiently because he wasn't the one who drafted you know say kevin knox or he didn't trade for dennis jr all these little things so that's, I guess, the big point where, yes, you can build for the future and you can make that approach, but it's not the type of thing where you have to see it through. Not everyone who's here is going to be here five years from now. In fact, it's very possible that maybe one or two of the guys are even here five years from now. We don't know, but <laughs> you can't just say, like, we'll build through the draft and and have this hope and belief that it will work but, as planned because the draft is a bigger crapshoot, in my opinion, than Going the free agency route. Well, it's absolutely a bigger crapshoot. And that's the thing that like, yes, everybody always points to the same things. The Spurs, the Warriors, um, the even even if you want to point to, you know, the Lakers, because, you know, Kobe was even though he wasn't drafted by them, they traded for the pick and whatever the whole thing, um, you know, the heat with Dwayne Wade. Um, yeah, it takes it takes a lot of freaking luck to get. Steph Curry in the draft and Tim Duncan in the draft and Kobe Bryant in the draft and Giannis in the draft. Like it takes an immense, immense, immense amount of luck. That's why. But to the the thing that I want to say to everybody who is right now, like we have to build through the draft. We have to draft and develop. We have to prioritize development. Yes. 
but it's not an either or thing. It's not as like, here's the thing that the Knicks need to do. Whether you are a person who is convinced the only way they're ever going to win a blessed thing is through acquiring stars or whether you're a person who is like, I want nothing to do with anybody unless they're homegrown. It doesn't change how you should view this year. This year is all about maximizing the assets that are on your roster. And the only question is how that roster changes between now and opening night. And it's like, so, you know, I asked you when's the soonest I could, or when's the soonest you could imagine them having a Booker discussion? Like, would it be insane to imagine a world where they sign Fred Van Fleet? And I, to be clear, do not think that they have any intention of signing Fred Van Fleet because he's going to want years. But let's, for argument's sake, let's say they sign Fred Van Fleet for three years. Um, let's make it a fair deal. Three years, $48 million. And Fred Van Fleet comes out this year looking like uh, and playing like an all-star. Let's say he plays at a level like, I don't know, 10% better than he played last year. And R.J. Barrett comes out looking like a stud. Um, but for whatever reason, they're like still on the outside of the playoff chase looking in. Could you see a scenario? And, oh, and what, one other caveat, because we got a lot of caveats here. Kevin Knox looks like the Kevin Knox that we have been cock-teased into thinking maybe sort of kind of might exist for the last two years. Is there a world where Van Fleet plus next year's unprotected pick plus a future unprotected pick plus Knox plus probably something else gets him Devin Booker? I don't know. What do you think? I don't think so. I don't I think probably, it does at all. I don't think so either because, again – you're not getting that blue chip if you're Phoenix there. Um, unless Kevin Knox is like shooting 45% from three and like becoming like a playmaking four. I don't know. But so one thing, one thing, sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. no. But, but, but can I just, the, 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 the last thing I want to just to put a cap on that thought that all that stuff that would have happened, RJ looking better, Knox looking better, them signing someone and making that player look better than he ever had previously looked before. That's drafting and developing, right? That's what we all want. The only difference is, do you then turn around and make a left turn to try to get a guy like Booker, whether they can or they can't, is less the point. Um, Or do you just take that blueprint and you're like, okay, let's keep adding inches and you know, feet as opposed to let's go for the, you know, the, 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 the mile marker. Um, that's, that's all I wanted to just put, to put a cap on that point. Yeah. Well, you start going miles when you have the opportunity to go miles. You don't, you know, you have to, well, not of, everybody does because some right. teams would not, some teams would look at again in my fantasy scenario, Kevin Knox making that big leap and Fred Van Fleet coming and playing great and be like, Hey, let's just keep this rolling and try to add another little piece this summer or another little piece. Next. Like, you, you understand? I, well, I we don't think I, they're going to do that if they're yeah. given the opportunity to make the left turn. Is that we're in agreement on that, right? Yes. When I say have to, I don't mean like you know it's 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 basically implying that it's kind of a, a path you should follow. You should crawl and then walk and then run. But if you have the opportunity to go from crawling to running, then go for it. But skipping a step, if it's not built the right way, is how you backfire. Yes. I think that the one thing that Leon Rose said that resonated a bit more upon reflection is talking about how showcasing these players and trying to have them drive the team, be the focal points. A lot of fans are going to look at that as like, yes, this is pure development. I love that. And I don't think that's wrong. I think it's absolutely correct. But I think a byproduct of that is also showcasing to teams, hey, these guys are taking a step up. We're putting people around them so that they can prosper. And this is what they're able to do. And then you flip them if you if the right opportunity arises, you flip them for that player that you want. Because again, and I, I think this also goes back to my uh, general thoughts about LaMelo, right? I mean – we don't know what the draft lottery is going to look like, but the way I see it is because of the fact that you and I and, and others, of course, say that this is a stars league. If you get someone in the building and if you have this idea that you're eventually going to probably trade that player, what is more valuable, say, um, a couple of years from now? Is it the seventh pick and, the you know, like a future first that's probably on the later side? Let's say it's the Mavs pick just for the record. 
Or is it going to be trading those assets up to get a Lamella ball? And it's probably going to be the Lamella ball type. Of course, you know, basketball is not played on paper. But again, you you go for star potential because you have to swing big at certain opportunities. And if there's ever going to be an opportunity for the Knicks to trade for Devin Booker, they're either going to have to trade star talent that's on the roster or they're going to have to trade enough picks where it compensates the fact that the Suns can figure out a way to replace that star talent and then some. Yeah, um, and the, the, you you brought up ball, and just to to touch on it, the reason I find I, I I always come to a dead end when I think about like, all right, how is this how is this trade this you know fantasy trade a year from now going to play out? Is because I I I continue to think they're going to end up with Lamelo Ball by hook or by crook. And if he if he pushes his way to New York and he wants to be in New York and he looks good in his first year in New York, um, you know, I, I have a I have a tough time seeing them give him up, give, uh, which, you know, again, it complicates this, which is why it's like, all right, so what's the main asset you're you're sending out? And then we could talk about R.J. Barrett, which is why, like, listen, again, whatever camp you fall in, star chasing or draft and develop easily. Easily the most important thing for this franchise in the next year ahead is how RJ Barrett looks. I, I don't even think there's a question mark because, yeah. you know, it, it, it is the table setter to anything else that they want to do. Um, and I guess, yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I don't think anything happens until next off season. And I, you know, I know you think that they're going to swing Take two big swings at once. Uh, am I? I don't. I don't think I'm spoiling anything by saying that. You've implied it over the last few months. Well, uh, I think this would be a perfect lead-in, actually, to the please. next conversation. Let's let's lead it in. Sure. So, uh, everything going on with Booker has actually kind of it's broadened my my viewpoints as to what the Knicks might be planning. So, uh, if you look at history for a moment, just take a step back. The NBA has had I love history. some perfect. Uh, NBA has had some historic duos, obviously Jordan and Pippen, Kobe, Shaq, Russell and Kuzi, Robinson, Duncan. I mean, I could go on, but the point is that duos have dominated. And if you look at the landscape of NBA teams right now, a lot of the great teams and even really good teams have very dynamic duos. Trios have been really rare. Um, you know, I mean, you had the 85, 86 Celtics, you had the 86, 87 Lakers, but it was largely obsolete until the Celtics made a huge pitch. And in 2007, got uh, well, they already had Paul Pierce on the roster, and they got KG, and they got Ray Allen. And since that moment, every single NBA Finals matchup featured at least one team with a, you know, like a quote-unquote big three or more in the Warriors' case, uh, except for the 2009 Finals. So the bottom line here is three excellent elite all-star players on the roster has oftentimes than not led to fantastic success. So – Basically, the the Celtics kind of provided that blueprint. I mean, they're not the first per se, but in the modern history, they kind of did. It's having an all-star wing, preferably if they're top five in the league, which Paul Pierce obviously was not. Yeah. It's having an all-star guard and an all-star big. That is a great path to title contention. Good so far? I, I think I'm with you, yes. Okay. If you know where I'm going. I don't know where set. you're going. Okay, perfect. Um. So let's shift to the Knicks. The Knicks don't have an all-star wing, all-star guard, or all-star big currently on the roster. Uh, they're players yeah. with potential. I'm but. glad that you 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 went through each of those categories. Let, let I was I was um bated breath here. Like, wait a minute, they they don't have the, what was the first one he said? The all-star wing. Maybe they have an all-star pick. No, okay, yeah, no. Uh, as of right now, they they don't have that. It's no, just simply they, no, not mature talent. Right. So, uh, I mean, you know, potential is great. We talked about that. But hand over fist, I'll take the real stuff if offered. So the one thing that Ian Begley, and I know you know this, has consistently said seemingly every single time was or is that uh, John Calipari is a huge target for the Knicks, right? It seems like it's constantly something that's said. And you kind of wonder, well, why would Rose want Calipari? I mean, surely the man with a 39 or what, a 391 winning percentage and has as many playoff victories as you and I do combined, John. Like that's not someone who's necessarily going to be an inspiring head coaching talent in the NBA. So what is with the interest? And I think the point, the first point is, well, uh, the Knicks want to create a stronger magnet 
for Kentucky players. We talked last time about everything with Anthony Davis, and I mentioned the connections to Wide West, and obviously you've you've talked about that too. So it's 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 some sort of magnet, right? There's this idea of clearly getting Kentucky guys or one guy at least there. I, I think I, I I think I'm starting to okay. connect cool. some dots. All right, so again, a couple dots. I, Yes, uh, we've talked about this again with AD. I still very much doubt that he'll still be in LA at the latest of 2022 because I'm skeptical how they'd build around him because they don't have picks, so they can't trade for stars. Uh, the contracts are going to be weird. He, he's eligible for the 10-year, but that's it's at a point where there really might not be anyone on the market. So there's a lot going on. I still I'm still hesitant to say he'd go there or he'd stay there rather. Uh, but now let's go to the rumor about Booker. And you, I know you reported this, and it's essentially we talked about how there's no reason for the Suns to trade him right now, no reason for the Knicks to trade for him. Same page there. And just hypothetically, if we imagined in this fantasy world that <clears throat> the Knicks were able to lure Anthony Davis next year, not going to happen, obviously, uh, this next year being 2021, and trade all these pieces for Booker, you're left with a very good team. It's not an elite team. It's very good. It's got an all-star big. It's got an all-star guard. But you're still missing that wing. And without that wing, it's very problematic. And so if you have those two guys in-house, you've traded a lot of your assets to get Booker. Um, There aren't that many great wings on the free agent market who can really elevate their games. And unless you somehow kept R.J. Barrett and he's developed into something, it's just not – you're not quite there, you know? Okay, so, I'm, I'm, I'm still with you. Cool. All right. So I wrote about how the Knicks need to do a better job in free agent meetings. And we could talk those stars. Um, obviously, the big two that I've talked about have been Anthony Davis and Giannis. And the question is, what do you really want to hear if you're those guys? Um, it appeared to me that the best thing you can possibly pitch is how they can build a winning team. And so obviously we have Cal, who I still don't think is coming. Um, but then you look at the other rumor that Popper had, right? And it's about Jason Kidd. Yeah. And again, I, I do buy it. I think that there is a legitimate interest. And Berman talked about this in the post of how World Wide West likes Jason Kidd. Yeah. And and it's kind of like, okay, well, you're all about connections. What are you trying to do here? You've got different things coming in different places. And I feel like Charlie Day and Always Sunny in Philadelphia with with the, um, the conspiracy theories and everything going on. But then it's kind of – it's like, okay, well, what is the – who's the one coach – who has actually coached Giannis and AD together? Who is it, John? Um, Same team, obviously, but what's the wait, one I'm, constant I'm, in terms of coaching between Wait, who's Giannis the and one Anthony coach and Anthony Davis that has coached Giannis and Anthony Davis together? Not together, just he's coached both of them. One coach. Oh, the it's it's Jason Kidd. It's Jason Kidd, right? So again, I don't know what's going to happen with the coaching, but you can start to see gears churning in the Knicks' heads and why maybe this rumor that Popper had actually does hold water. Maybe there is some kind of unifying connection that they can try to get where they can get their foot in the door. So after more thought on this, here's what I'm thinking. And again, to preface this, I just want to say there's a very big difference between what I think the Knicks will plan for and what will actually happen. Like we could see pretty easily a year on out that the Knicks were gunning for Kevin Durant, right? But obviously that didn't work out. So there's a little bit more caution this time. I think at least I've certainly learned my lesson in terms of predicting, but uh, from a from an um, actually happening standpoint, but from a planning standpoint, I really don't think this is too far off. I think that what the Knicks are going to do is they're going to get their head coach, whoever it may be, Thibodeau, maybe Kid, who knows, and they're then going to take this year. Honestly, they could do whatever they want with it. They could try to win with cheap contracts or at least you know short year deal short term deals they could try to just throw it out there and be bad and get a good pick whatever I, it doesn't really matter to me but i think that they then go into 2021 and this is what they do i think it matters a lot but keep going right well it doesn't it doesn't because of the fact that i think if you show you're a winning team that's great but if you don't you can still make enough changes where it's like can't, well we're able to make these amends you can't be a clusterfuck and you can't be what, if we were to do the ten, the ten, the ten levels of NBA of NBA teams, whatever the Knicks were the summer before they went it, it tried to get KD and, and Kyrie was level one. They can't be level one. They can't be level two. Like 
they would, they can't, whatever we're getting all, I don't mean to detract from your, your big grand finale, but like, it, yes, it does matter how they do this year. I, I feel fairly strongly about that because they have to show themselves to be a competent organization. I don't care how many Jason kids they hire. Um, but that's just, you know, that's just yeah, me. Not a dumpster fire in the slides. I agree. So, uh, enough with the foreplay. Here we go. <laughs> I, I think that the Knicks are going to try to sell AD and Giannis on playing together and that their idea after that will be pitching them on trading for Devin Booker and having this big three. And here's here's why. You can basically say to them that no team on paper in the East can beat you as a trio. And then what you can do is you can also say to Clutch, listen, if you help get Anthony Davis in the door, we've got restricted free agent Mitchell Robinson we will gladly overpay him as a premium for you helping to put both of these guys together and have them on the team. Minuscule cap hold, Mitchell Robinson. Exactly. He's only – it's like $1.7 million in terms of a cap hold. Obscenely Very, low. Right. Yeah. So then after that, what you do is you trade RJ, you trade this year's pick, you trade anything on the roster, any picks, whatever it takes to get Devin Booker. And the thing is that it has to be at least – for anyone who's saying, well, I, I don't want to trade this player or that player – Listen, it has to be at least $25 million, $220,000, and $480 that's going back in salary to Phoenix, the minimum. That it just, based on the CBA rules, because of how everything's working, that's what you have to do. And of course, you can't include Mitch in that pick because he's a free agent. So again, the order of that sequence is signing the two stars, then you trade for Booker, and then you re-sign Mitch. And then of course, you need to fill out a bench. You have roster spots. You probably still have some talent that's on the roster, and by Talent, I mean, maybe the Clippers pick, maybe uh, Brazdakis, you know, who knows? It's it's minuscule, but that's not even really the point here. Um, the point here is that you pitch these guys on on present and future. You say to them, Anthony Davis, you're 28. Giannis, you're 27. Booker, you're 25. And Mitch is 23 years old. Like, If you're Giannis, how is that not the best option you could possibly have right now? And if you're AD, is that, how is that not the best option you can have moving forward? I essentially built what you've done is you've essentially built a better version of the Lakers as they currently stand because you have a younger elite wing at the three. You have the same guy at the four. You have an incredible rim runner at the five and you have just added one of the best two guards in the NBA to your starting lineup. And so I again, I think that this is essentially how they can kind of get all the best of both worlds or best of, you know, have their cake, eat it too, whatever expression you want to put in here. I'm. I'm convinced that gutting the team, but also adding young talent that can play together and space the floor and do whatever they need to do in order to get these guys in the building is what their plan is. So, you know, I'll, I'll let you rebut as I, I I'm, I'm not, shocked, but. I'm not going to rebut the, I'll say a couple things. One, I don't know that does anybody aggregate this pod? Um, if anybody, anybody listening and wants to send out like a clever tweet, like, Oh, the Knicks film school guys have, have gone off the deep end. We we did <laughs> we did this for a fucking year and they didn't learn their lesson and they're going right back to the same well. No, 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 no. The Knicks film school guy, Jeremy Cohen, has gone off the deep end. With again, the- again, I'm and look, I'm sorry if you're listening to this and and I'm giving you hope. Look, the, here's the truth of the matter. If it wasn't you're giving you're giving me, Ajita, Jeremy. OK, maybe that's so. what you're giving. But again, again, my goal here is I think you do continue the rebuild. And if the right opportunity arises like this, then you go for it. If not, you just stay the course. That's fine. But but again, if I wasn't going to say this, then someone else was going to. And you're going to get your hopes up for something eventually because that's just the life of a tortured Knicks fan. So listen, anybody listening to this who thinks that these conversations like the conversation you just you just had with me, anybody thinks these conversations haven't already taken place, you know, in MSG, you're insane because they have. Like anybody who doesn't think that this is something that they think that they could pull off, again, I'm sorry, you're living in a fantasy world. Um, whether that whether that means that any of this is going to come even remotely close to fruition, I don't know. The one thing that I will say, I spoke to someone recently who um, has had. Um, conversations with, with Sky Perry and the his priority from day one that he took this job was clear the books and keep the books clean. 
and it's why, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, the only the only contract he's ever signed that was past one season was the Julius Randle deal, right? On this team, yes. On this team, yes. That's the only that's the only one he's done. Um, I you know, I don't know how much sway Perry still has with with Rose and and West there and Brock Aller there now, but um, I could tell you this. If it's if it's October twentieth or twenty first or twenty second, and the free agent dust is settled, and the Knicks um, haven't signed any contracts past um, past one year, anything basically did a repeat of last summer, except knock on wood, uh, hopefully with with pl- players that are more conducive to all the things that we want them to be conducive to, like. Again, you may hate every word coming out of Jeremy's mouth, and there's a part of me that's like, really? We got to fucking do this again? We just did this. But again, like, the proof is going to be in the pudding. Now, if they go out this summer and they ink, you know, Fred Van Fleet and Joe Harris and Christian Wood to, you know, three years each, and and they basically spend all their cap space, then we'll all collectively you know, feed Jeremy his, his, uh, many slices of humble pie. Is that fair? Yeah. I'll be so full of humble pie. I just, I'll never be able to eat. <laughs> you'll pie be, again. you'll be vomiting and shitting uh humble pie at once. It's going to yes. be like, it's going to be like bridesmaids too. You're going to be, you know, in the sink, in the toilet. It's, it's not going to be pleasant. I'll be pooping in the street in a wedding. Hey, okay, there you go. That's, that's great. Um, rewatch that movie, by the way, my wife uh, last week. It's, it's just so good. Um, it is. Although my favorite Melissa McCarthy movie is spy. It's you know I haven't seen Spy. I need to see. It. I've seen so many of her movies and I have not seen Spy. I haven't laughed that hard in a movie theater since I saw it in theaters. So wow. again, okay. I, I no, highly recommend it. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna make it an effort. Um, yep. She was great in uh, the other one where she got nominated for an Oscar. Anyway, okay, we're getting off track. Um, yeah. So, but if if again we're sitting here on October 22nd and and they've kept their books clean. You could be sure that, and and of course, the other part of this is what does AD do this summer? And we're going to have that answer again by, you know, by October. Um, I, I actually think it makes a lot of sense for him to sign a one plus one. I think uh, he will. Yeah, I think it does too. Uh, I, I think he will too. Um, and hey, look, um, if this upsets you, just again. It should not change how the Knicks are approaching this year. And I, and, and the, how about this? What have we been complaining or not complaining? What have we been worried about once Leon Rose took the job? And what, what does everybody keep saying, right? They keep saying, well, CAA, but also there's this idea that they're going to try to win games this year and they are not like that's the difference. Steve Mills and Scott Perry were well, I think actually they wanted to win 30 something games and they just couldn't figure out their way out of a paper bag and they ended up winning 17 and they're winning 17 games and looking really bad while doing it. I I to this day still think it played a huge part in in why uh, Kyrie and KD did not look their way. I don't think that's going to happen this year. The question is how how competent do they need to look to give your crazy batshit scenario a real chance at happening? And I don't know the answer to that question. Nobody knows the answer to that question. Nobody knows if there is an answer to that question, if there's anything that they could do this year that would make them appealing enough. Because especially, here's the other part of it. We have no idea what those guys want. We have no idea what AD wants. We have no idea what Giannis wants. We have no earthly clue. Um, they may not even know themselves. That's they the may not even know themselves, um, which is why, you know, for every fake trade report or fake name or a name that comes out as like, keep an eye on this guy in terms of the Knicks, like, it's all well and good for the next calendar year, more or less, it, it, it doesn't really matter. Because they just need to worry about getting their house in order. And if they get their house in order, then maybe your dream scenario comes true. Maybe it's some scaled back version of your dream scenario. I have no idea. You have no idea. Nobody has any idea. Um, Just because as I think about it more, uh, again, I still view uh, Thibodeau as the front runner. I don't see why anyone shouldn't. But 
and again, this is kind of lucid thinking here, but um, I think that there's a very – they could very easily sell Jason Kidd in the way of, look, he tried in two places, didn't really work out. He went to learn under Frank Vogel. He was the highest paid assistant head coach. He was his right-hand man. He was very successful in terms of what he was doing. Like it all makes sense. That's perfect for him. Great. And then you look at the other guys around him. You've got Mike Miller. He's a development guy, right? And then I also kind of think of um, someone like the Jamal Mosley, right? That, that, I'm not – I'm blanking now. That, that is his name, right? Mosley, yeah. Not, yeah. I have and I then actually you, have the uh, – um, yeah, Mosley. Right. Yeah. And so then you could potentially you know, hire him away because he worked with Luca and you want him to do more with RJ and maybe whoever else is on the roster. And, and then, of course, there's another very weird uh, coincidence between Mosley and Kidd, which is that both of them – uh, we're on the coaching staffs for another Antetokounmpo in Costas Antetokounmpo. And it's just like it's all these little things that you think are so inconsequential, but they do really add up. It's exactly why um, the Knicks kept trying to add different people to their organization who are close to Kevin Durant in some capacity. Because this this the difference between or at least a difference between this um, Leon Rhodes regime and the Scott, uh, the, the Steve Mills regime, excuse me, is that you basically, you are relying on connections in a lot of ways, but you're also trying to build it from within with people who are really talented and you're, you're poaching some of the best talent from other teams instead of just being in this, you know, like, Oh, here's Scott Perry's close friends or people he's acquainted himself with well, in the past that aren't nearly as good as the ones that you're bringing in now. That's the other thing though, that I, again, and, and this is, this is not, well, I, I guess I do have to say it's a, it's a source, but I, I have it on damn good authority that when they hired Fizz, when they, I, I may have said this on the pod, but if I, and if I did, I apologize, but I'll say it again. They had a lot of time, a lot of, oh, sorry, they had a lot of difficulty um, getting assist, not a lot of difficulty getting assistant coaches, but like <laughs> the people that they got went into it basically worrying like, yeah, I'm going to be out of here in two years. And the, it, it was very difficult for them to like, I don't know if you remember, um, there was a report that. Nick Van Exel was going to join the coaching staff, right? Do you remember that? I do. Okay. He didn't come. There was even a report that, um, oh my God. Um, it was uh, one of the guys that are interviewing for head coach now. Um, not Hardy. Uh, my God, there's so many goddamn head coaching candidates. The guy who is on Clifford's uh, staff in Orlando. Uh, whose name is, of course, escaping me. But there was a rumor two years ago that he was going to join Fisdale's staff. They couldn't get him. People worried about the longevity of their of their job tenure here because, again, who was running the show? It was Steve Mills and Scott Perry. Now, again, I know a lot of Perry fans out there still, but like that duo did not exactly inspire a lot of confidence league-wide. This time... It feels like it's going to be different. And the one thing that I did want to know, which is a might seem like a technicality, but I don't necessarily know that it is. Jason Kidd is a is an assistant with the Los Angeles Lakers. And do you know what that means? That means if they hire him as a or offered him the associate head coach job, that would be a step up. That would be enough of a um not a reason for him to leave. I have no idea if he'd want to leave or not, but it like it's not a lateral move and they still have that card that they could play in their back pocket. And I wonder if it's still going to be Tibbs and if the goal is to hire Jason Kidd as the associate head coach and then get like Woodson and or Miller to fill out the staff. What would you think about that? Yeah. I mean, again, if um, because I was under the impression that Kidd is kind of the top guy for Vogel. He is, but that's not his title. Right. Yeah, I guess. I mean, but again, does, if you're Jason Kidd, do you, maybe wouldn't your next job, wouldn't you prefer it to be a head coach? I mean, obviously you'd prefer it, but isn't that, aren't you patient enough to wait for it? I don't know. Maybe, I would imagine he is, but we'll see. Yes. Who's given him, think, though, who's given him that, I mean, honestly, who's given him that job? The Nets. 
Oh, fuck. It's a, it's a perfect situation. He gets to come back to the team that he led to the NBA Finals years ago, back-to-back times. He gets to work with KD, <laughs> Kyrie. They get a third star. I mean, that it, he screwed over when he left Of course, but, you know, <laughs> things, Listen, things Billy, change. Billy Martin was hired seven times, right? I mean, well, you know. Anyways, yes, I see what you're saying, and I, you know, maybe, again, instead of Woodson, it's Mosley, who knows? Maybe I, mean, I still think Mike Miller is going to be there in some capacity. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I think it, it makes sense. You kind of just try to make this uh, this bench of coaches who are it's like hand picking them instead of just getting Tibbs's guys in this case. And I'm, I'm really not sure, but again, I there are just so many connections between the Kentucky guys, and if they're going to go this path and they want to do it right, and you want to get the biggest name in basketball then you have to figure out other ways that are going to make them comfortable. Although the primary reason again should be on the court production. And that again, I still, I still do wonder with Giannis, I think he'll take it year by year, but I wonder with him and looking at the bucks and seeing that the core is in two years going to be guys who are all 30 or above and how you retool and how you put the pieces around him that help him win. I, I, I really don't know how they're going to do that. I, the one thing that I will, I, I think he's going to leave. Um, I'm not saying I think he's going to come here, but I, I think he's going to leave because yeah. I just like, like. There are two ways to spin it. Number one is you win a title. I brought a title to Milwaukee. I can do whatever I want. The other is I, you know, it tears me apart, but I, I did everything I could. We did everything we could. It just didn't work out. And I'm looking at the future and I'm prioritizing that. And I think that's – I don't think that's too off base. Um, the one thing I want to add is, you know, for as for as much as this pod will probably be a, a reference point as we move forward, like I don't think that their, their thinking, the Knicks thinking I should say, is limited to like, all right, this is – it's this or nothing. Like that's the other part of this with, with Mills, the, when Mills and Perry, it was like, it was KD or, or nothing. Like it, it yeah. was everything revolved around KD. I am just as I am, just as I am supremely confident that they have had the conversation about like, Hey, wouldn't it be cool if we, if we did this in a year, I'm also convinced that that is not like, they're not, it, it, it sh- this should go without saying, but I'll say it anyway. <laughs> They're not limiting themselves, right? It's like any name, any big name, whether they're under contract or they're hitting free agency, like there it is. I guarantee you they are on their radar. Um, And it's just going to be interesting because I I think, and again, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but why I think this year is so important and why Barrett's development is so important and why it's important to get something out of Knox and why it's important to get this draft pick right, and why it is important to look like a draft and develop team, at least for the next year, is the better they look and the more competent they look, the the more appealing the situation is going to be for all of those guys out there. And that's that is the one I I, I just I really I don't I don't think I'm disagreeing with you here, but I where you were like it doesn't matter what happens this year, I, I could not disagree with that part of it more. Because I think it well, absolutely matters what happens this year. So, so let me rephrase. I think that again, you can you can reshape the brand's image pretty easily. Um, in in the sense of you are building towards something. I will agree with you absolutely, though, that may, that success, especially when your young guys are the primary driving factor, is very important because you're able to show what they can do. And I know a lot of people are probably thinking, well. Why couldn't why do you have to trade for Booker in this case? Why couldn't you just keep RJ, keep whoever this year's pick is, add two stars and roll with that? And so that I say that these are really young guys. They're very inexperienced. Players don't join other teams, especially the elite ones at the tops of their games, so that they can play with guys who are, you know, just old enough to drink or not even. And so you're you're looking for ways to add as much uh, talent around you that is established and can help you win right away, and that's the thing. So yes, I and I, I've I actually um, Dave early and I have had this discussion where it's kind of like okay, well if you're the Knicks, what is a better approach? Is it better to 
finish with the third record next year and trade that for something or is it third, better to – Wait, third pick. I'm sorry, third, third pick, right. Yeah. Excuse me. Because we're talking about do you go all in for Cade and I think that you don't because we've learned our lesson from Zion. And as great as RJ is, he's no Zion. And there was an 86% chance that the Knicks didn't get Zion. And guess what? They didn't get him. So <sighs> again, Next year is a better – it's a lot better draft. I'm, 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 I, I agree with you. Cade is – from I, from the little I've seen, Cade special, but that's a there's I think there's more merit to tanking for the 2021 draft than there was for the Zion draft. Sure, but again, what I guess the point I'm making—they're not going to do it, but whatever. Right, yeah. it's it's more what is better for free agents to to have the third pick and in with RJ and let's say Lamelo and do whatever you want and have all this cap space. Or is it better to show genuine growth and have the 15th pick and it means you've made the playoffs or the 12th pick and it means you've come so close to making the playoffs? What is more appealing? And my gut tells me that it's more likely to be the fact that the team itself is making strides because then the entire image of the brand is in itself uh, reshaped. so it's like it's not just, OK, we've got these stars. We're better. It's it's that buildup. But again, you could argue the other way. You could say, well, I think that they're. Uh, collecting assets and they can go from there and, and you have some sort of excitement. But again, I don't think the elite players care about a guy who was just drafted. It's the same way LeBron has never cared about that. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a, uh, per, I mean, who look at all the guys that LeBron shipped out. Now it's maybe not a perfect analogy because LeBron, when he went to LA or when, when they made the AD trade, LeBron is, how old was LeBron a year ago? 30, what is he? 34, 35, whatever. He's fucking old. So, but even like, you know, we, to your point, we've seen this time and time again, you know, guy, like, do you put it this way? Do you think if Jimmy Butler, like if they traded, if they swapped out like Wiggins and cat for, I'm trying to think of someone, maybe that's not a great example, but like, Someone good now, and that's not a cock tease like Carl Anthony Towns is, like maybe maybe Jimmy Butler would still be in Minnesota. It's like that's what these guys want. They want to win now. Um, who knows, though? Maybe R.J. Barrett becomes that, that level of player. Like, um, you know, I, I, I'm i down on him more than most, but like, you know, how old was Dwayne Wade when they traded for Shaquille O'Neal? He was in his, what, his third year in the league? Second year in the league? Something third like that. Year. Yeah. So like it it can happen. Um it's just, you know, it's not the way it's typically done now. But, you know. Yeah. We'll see. I I listen. I'm happy we had the conversation because I feel like I I just wanted to clear the air about like cuz again, we're going to be this is not the last time we're going to talk about this. This is this is this is going to be an ongoing theme and like look, I'm very much looking forward to once again just being able to talk about the games and like see analyzing like, hey, RJ Barrow look good tonight and Kevin Knox look good tonight and Mitchell Robinson look good tonight and and not having every one of those conversations be a referendum on like, oh, is he good enough to get this guy in a trade or to attract this star to play? Like, we're not going to do that. But, you know, I think it's instructive to put all of our cards on the table. Um, well, it's, it's in the background. We don't have to discuss it, especially when more is going on. But I think that we're going to go into next year with this kind of understanding that this could be a make or break year for some of these players, not so much in our own eyes, but in the eyes of the people who run this team. And to kind of just put a, a pretty little bow on the top of that entire half-baked discussion that we just had, um, in terms of Devin Booker, that is the most comfortable I am in terms of trading for him at this point. I, again, wouldn't do it a year from now unless it's that type of situation. After that, it's much more touch and go because there's still time on his deal and the Knicks aren't necessarily on a clock. But yeah, you know, I mean, again, it's this team's going to shoot for the stars and it seems crazy. But this is like this is why Dolan has brought these people in, because he knows that this is a path and he doesn't like no, there's no patience for a lot of these people. So uh, and yet at the same time, they're not so impatient to the point where they're willing to just sacrifice everything. The one, yeah. yeah, no, sorry, keep going. No, that was just yet. Um, the one thing that I do want to note, I'll, this will be my bow on this conversation, um, and I keep coming back to this. The thing that that doesn't, 
I want to say it doesn't quite work in the Knicks' favor, but it, it, whatever, we'll see. The the free agent class of 2022, there's a lot of names, but there's a lot of old names, and it's it's Harden player option. You know, Curry never leaving, (laughs) Durant, Kyrie, Kemba, Russell Westbrook, Jimmy Butler. Like these are, like I don't I don't think either of us foresee. Leon Rose and, and Wes, like that, that, that one of those dudes is their end goal. I mean, it is it's Bradley Beal as a player option, but I think we all, I personally believe that he'll be traded and probably maybe sign an extension by then. Um, so there, you know, it's funny. It's like, what would they do if they could only get, if they could only swing a trade for, let's say, you know, Booker and they, and they didn't get two guys in, in free agency next summer. Maybe they didn't get any guys in free agency next summer. Like, would they do it? I think that's an interesting question. And it's one we don't need to talk about now. But um and then 2023, you have Jokic, you have Embiid. Um, that's that's a little bit more interesting. All right. Um <laughs> we didn't even talk about the, the the fact that they're not going to the Chicago bubble, which is like I didn't really have much to say on it, but is there anything you wanted to say? I, I don't yeah, it's it's fine. I have no issue with it. I think from well, a, they don't. Pub- we shouldn't say they they may not want to go. Let me yeah. rephrase that. From a public health standpoint, it's it's great to not do it. I mean, if you can limit your exposure, then that's the best thing to do. So uh, if they stand by that, then I'm very much okay with that. If they want to go, I'm okay with that too. I just think as long as we're looking out for the health of the of the people who would be impacted by this, that's the key ingredient here. I. I just want to say explicitly because I implied it a few different ways when I at the top of the show. I just think it's a sign that this roster is going to be very different next season, and I think all these one year one year option guys are going to be gone. Um, yes. I think a couple of these kids are probably not going to be back, um, and they just don't feel that the benefit is going to be there to go and sport a twelve man team where they think four or five of those 12 guys are going to be actual real components to what they're trying to do next year. And I think that might even be a little generous. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to say that, uh, anything else that we need to talk about before we get out of here? I don't, I don't think there is. Um, I think, I feel like we've tortured our listeners enough at this point. That's you again. That's That's you. You did to our list, to my, to our loyal listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sticking with the show, despite Jeremy Cohen's utter tomfoolery. Um, I, you know, if I had any spare cash lying around, I would send you a, 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 a coupon for a free episode at a later date to get, to give you your time back for listening to Jeremy's blasphemy that he's uttered on these, right. on these. Air- Is that well, if, <laughs> Sure. But if what I said comes to fruition, if it does, <laughs> probably won't. But if it does. I'm going to remember this date. Yeah, you won't be able to to bake the humble pies fast enough. You're going to have to you're going to have to I buy more ovens. I was about to say you're going to have to put a room full of ovens in your house. I don't even know how that's going to go. It's uh man, you you have to hire a team of bakers. I've never hoped that I could do that more in my life because then it means we're all happy. So it would be great. <laughs> Oh God! This is entirely uh, the fact. I these these things make me delirious because these these truly do give me joy that that we get to have this nonsense discussion on here. Um, all right, anything you want to uh, plug, promote, say before we get out of here? Yeah, if um, if this wasn't enough for you, I am also on the posting and toasting show this week. Yeah, uh, I uh, I don't. It's not quite again this idea of uh, the big three is not in that. It was conceived after we recorded it, but we talk about similar themes. It's it's similar, but it's also quite different and had a lot of fun with Schwinn and Drew. So if you are in the mood to uh, be subjected to hearing me for more hours than you have to, be my guest. <laughs> I'll listen. Um, I like listening to you. Um, and I guess I should say that I, I have another podcast now. Um, yeah, there you go. Um, I It is called the Hoops Spy Podcast. Uh, that I'm co-hosting with Adam Taylor, who's a very talented writer. He writes about the Celtics um, for Celtics blog, but he, like me, is a big fan of the NBA in general. And, um, you know, if you've been listening to this for a while, you know that I love the NBA in addition to just the Knicks. So that podcast will be an opportunity for me and him to just um, talk about the NBA. 
and um, you know, all, all the teams and wherever those conversations may lead. So check that out if you're so inclined, but uh, for now, uh, Jeremy, thank you as always for your time and your passion and your crazy ideas. Thank you for letting me, uh, you know, just spew out word vomit, my delirium. So I appreciate that. John. <laughs> thank you. I, I can I can joke because I'm, I completely agree with every word you said that they are absolutely, that is what they're going to try to do. But. Like, that's the thing. It's crazy, but it's, it's not crazy like a fox. Yeah. Well, okay, sure. But it, that's the thing. It's like when you put the pieces together, there, there are ways that make sense just fiscally and just every other adverb you want to throw in there. It makes, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So. You know what? If you think Jeremy's crazy, go, go take a few minutes and read, uh, the GQ article on World Wide West from 13 years ago, um, the who I uh, interviewed the author of this week, um, he just go read it and then ask yourself what may be in store for this franchise. That's that's all I got to say. All right, um, everybody, stay safe out there. Uh, you know, keep doing your part. Um, wear a mask. Don't go out if you don't have to. The whole thing, and um, we will talk to you soon. 